Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I'm a leadership coach for women. Today, instead of bringing you a story of another wonderful woman of Aotearoa in New Zealand, I thought I'd share with you a few tips on a topic that I find a lot of women have questions about. And that's about negotiation. And in particular, I wanted to share some tips about how you can get the salary and opportunities that you want. So before I get into some of the advice parts, I just wanted to share with you, I guess, um, one of the reasons why negotiation is so important. So I want you to imagine a scenario that a man and a woman, both aged 22, they're equally qualified, they're both just entering the workforce, they're both offered a, the same role with a starting salary of $25,000. As part of that, the man chooses to negotiate and he they bump up his offer and he gets offered them $30,000. The woman doesn't negotiate. Throughout their careers, they receive identical pay rises every year of 3% per annum. By the age of 60, that pay gap between them has actually widened to more than $15,000 a year, with the man by that stage earning over $92,000, while the woman would be earning $76,000. And that's without any difference between them, apart from that initial salary negotiation right at the start of their career. And then if you add that up over the 38 years that they would have been working from when they started at 22 to the age of 60, that man's extra earnings in total would equate to over $360,000. And then imagine that that man had simply put the money in a bank or um, in some form of investment that earned, say, 3% interest per annum. By the age of 60, in fact, he would have had over $568,000 more than the woman. So that's why it's important to negotiate, even if it seems a small amount or, you know, you just might leave the conversation at the time. In actual fact, that salary negotiation absolutely adds up over time. So today I wanted to share with you um, four key areas. The first one was to talk through around some of the background and principles of negotiation. The second was about what you can do to prepare for negotiations, and this is absolutely key. Then the third is actually how should you handle those discussions, negotiation discussions. And finally, how should you close So if I start off, first of all, with some of the background and principles, I mean, ultimately, what is negotiation? Negotiation is just a conversation between people, which ideally would result in an agreement that satisfies both parties' needs. I think sometimes as women, we get quite nervous of negotiation. We think that it naturally has to involve some form of conflict, where actually it's just a conversation. And sometimes that can take some of the worry or nerves out of it. In terms of some of the core foundational principles of negotiation and and what can help those negotiations to go really well, the first one that I'd share is around it can really help if you are soft on the person but hard on the problem. So what do I mean by that? I mean that imagine you are starting into a new job and you get offered a certain salary, a certain package. That throughout the discussions you might have, you want to be friendly, excited, optimistic, positive with the person or people that you're negotiating with. But being friendly doesn't mean that you can't also be firm in terms of the package that you are negotiating. So you're soft, friendly with the person, but hard in terms of actually the the problem, the, the, the package that you might be looking for. 
The second principle that can really help is instead of focusing on positions, like I want this, you want that, you know, we can't somehow meet in the middle, instead to seek to understand what are each other's interests. What do other people, what does that side value? What do you value? Because actually then you're likely to have more flexibility and be able to generate some more options. The third principle is that through this process of negotiation, what you want to be doing is building your credibility because that also enhances your value. Um, And we'll talk about ways that you can do that. And the fourth thing is actually it can really help as part of negotiation if you try to invent some options that are good for you both, that maybe have some form of mutual gain, because that actually brings you together and having a shared common interest rather than, as I said, being in kind of conflict with each other. The other thing to think about in terms of negotiation is that it's very different. For example, let's say you are negotiating over the price of a pineapple in a a street food market in Thailand, for example. Now, of course, that negotiation would be more like bartering, haggling. You're probably never going to see that person ever again. In fact, you can be pretty pretty hard. You don't have to build any sort of long-term relationship with that person. But actually, often enough in negotiations, and particularly if you're thinking about negotiating some kind of a package or or opportunities within your role, actually those are much more likely to need you to maintain the relationship. You want to try and perhaps look for win-win ideas. You maybe want to look how to solve that problem jointly. And ultimately, you want to be able to maintain or even enhance that relationship through the conversations. The last bit that I wanted to talk about in terms of some of the the kind of background and principles of negotiation is just to understand actually why as women are we reluctant sometimes? What are some of the barriers that might be getting in the way? Certainly from a lot of the women that I speak with, there's often this fear of being rejected. You know, what if they say no? Fear of kind of being seen to lose if you don't get what it is that you want. Or maybe even fear of being disliked if you um, are seen as perhaps too bolshy, too pushy, too assertive. For a lot of women that I speak with, they have this feeling of, oh gosh, I'm not sure if I deserve it. Maybe not necessarily having that self-belief in the value that they offer. And a lot of women also that I speak with are very comfortable negotiating when it comes to, for example, negotiating a deal for their organisation, but feel much less comfortable when it comes to negotiating for themselves and for their own value. The last barrier that I often see getting in the way for women is this perception or this wish that hard work would simply be enough and that we would be recognised and valued and remunerated in line with the great job that we're doing. Whereas, of course, in reality, actually, you often have to ask in order to get what it is that you want. So hopefully that covers off some of the key principles and background around negotiation. So now let's move on to preparing for the negotiation. And this is absolutely crucial. The better prepared you are, the more likely that you're going to get ultimately the outcome that you want. So the first piece of preparation that I'd recommend that you do is thinking about actually what elements do you actually want to negotiate? And usually people um, are thinking, oh, yes, well, I'd like to, let's say I'm starting a new role, I'd like to negotiate the salary. That's, that's usually pretty high up on the list for people. But some of the other key items might include the job title. It might include perhaps even some of the key responsibilities. Maybe there's certain things that you want to take on because you know you'll enjoy them or because they may enhance your career. 
There could also be in terms of broader remuneration, potentially the opportunity to negotiate um, a sign-on bonus or an end-of-year bonus. There might be an opportunity to negotiate things like stock options or equity within the organisation. You might be able to negotiate what training and development you receive, or you might even be keen to negotiate some kind of a flexible working arrangement. So those are some of the key items. In addition to that, there are a whole range of other things that you might look to negotiate, and it's worth thinking then which of these might be more or less important for you. So there might be, for example, some non-financial elements. If you're already within an organisation, you might want to perhaps negotiate how long you might need to do a role for. You might want to negotiate the reporting relationship, maybe the size of your team, maybe a start date, maybe relocation support, maybe action fa- in actual fact the location that you're working in. You may look to negotiate some uh, holidays or or additional paid or unpaid leave. You may be negotiating around how much travel is needed. You may want more or less. You may be negotiating around what kind of future growth or promotion opportunities there might be. You might even be negotiating what projects you might get involved in. And then there's some additional financial elements that depending on your role, you might look to negotiate. Maybe it might be commissions, might be overtime payments. It could be your pension. It could be insurance of some kind. It could be expenses in support of you commuting. It could be elements like having a phone, a laptop or other equipment that you need. It could be a car. It could be a support for childcare expenses. So what I wanted to do as part of that is almost just expand up the options for you. So many people I see when they start to think about negotiation, particularly for a certain role, they think first and foremost just about salary. And actually, there are a whole range of elements that you could choose to negotiate on, some of which may well be pretty important for you. Where this can help is it may allow you to expand the conversation or maybe bundle some elements together. And, you know, we talked about their kind of inventing options that might have mutual gain. There may be things in there that, in fact, are a very high value to you but have very low cost to the organisation. So they're always really good ones to negotiate on. And equally, there might be elements in there which are of high value to the organisation, but low cost, in fact, for you. And so you may therefore be able to compromise on some of those elements. At the same time as saying there are loads of variables in there, I also would say don't try and overcomplicate the negotiations by adding loads and loads and loads of different things and focus on those areas that are the most important for you. Also in terms of preparation, the more information that you can gather about the organisation and its stakeholders, the better prepared that you will be then for the negotiation. So have a think about or ask about who might be involved in some of those decisions. Think about what their interests might be. Put yourself in their shoes to understand what their concerns or desires might be. See if you can understand how are salaries or how is flexibility decided, how are promotions decided, projects decided. Again, the more information you have, the better you're able to have quite an open conversation. Figure out what you can about how is the organisation actually doing? You know, is it actually doing really well financially? In which case you maybe have a stronger position to be able to negotiate. Is it perhaps on the decline? In which case there might be things that may be easier or harder to negotiate. How are the customers feeling about the organisation and how are their competitors doing? All of that provides you just some good context in terms of thinking which areas you might push on or how hard you might push in terms of the negotiation. Then it's a great idea to do a lot of market research into what actually is realistic um, out there in the market in terms of what you might be able to negotiate. 
if you're doing some research, you can look at all sorts of different websites. But ultimately, you would want to be doing comparisons to look at similar job titles to yours. You know, ideally look at similar industries, perhaps think about things like look at location as well as seniority and perhaps the skill set that's needed. Look at things like careers.govt.nz. There's a whole jobs database in there which has salary guides. Look at things like Seek, TradeMe, job sites. Um, glassdoor.co.nz also um, has some great information about organisations. And I would suggest that you make yourself a spreadsheet. Essentially, you're pulling out lots of different data points from all those perhaps different job ads or different sites. And that's going to give you some great market data. I'd also suggest if you have any contacts who are recruiters or work in HR, ask them. A great question to ask is, what is an appropriate salary range for someone in my industry with my skill set and experience? So you're not necessarily asking, like, how much am I worth? But you're asking for a market range. Equally, ask others that you know in similar types of roles. And I would especially ask men, because as we know, there is a gender pay gap um, here in New Zealand. And so chances are it may well be that if you ask other women, you may be underpitching your ask. Instead, ask men for, again, that same question, what is an appropriate salary range for someone in my industry with my skill set and experience? It's also really helpful at this stage for you to be building up your own credibility. And particularly in your own head, and so that then you can share that with your organisation. And to do that, I'd recommend reminding yourself of all the fantastic strengths, skills and experience that you bring. You know, remind yourself of the qualifications that you have. Remind yourself of your strengths, all those fantastic things that you are really good at and that others have given you great feedback about. Think about all the skills that you bring and the experience that you've developed over time. Think about potentially any relationships that you might be bringing into the organisation or any particular feedback that you've had from external stakeholders. And all of that can give you a boost and also can give you the credibility to be able to go in and, and ask for what in fact you are worth and what you would deserve. Also in preparation, it's useful to know what's called your BATNA, B-A-T-N-A, and that's your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So actually, what are your options here? If you are going into a negotiation and if it doesn't work out, what's your alternative? If you're going into a negotiation, say, for a new role and you have another three job offers on the table, well, actually, you're in a much stronger negotiating position than if you've maybe been looking for ages and this is absolutely your dream role and there's nothing else that might compare. Also think about what's their best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Have they been looking for somebody for a long time? Do you in fact have a particular unique skill set or a set of experiences that are extremely valuable to them so that they really don't have many other alternatives? Again, that will strengthen your negotiating position. Ultimately, all of that preparation will help to build your confidence and also your credibility. So now I'd like to share some thoughts about what happens when you actually get into those conversations, those negotiation discussions, after, of course, you've done all that fantastic preparation. Some of the points that I'd encourage you to remember, first of all, is that negotiation is a series of interactions and conversations. It's very unlikely that it's going to be a single conversation and boom, it's done. It's likely to be quite a number of to and fro conversations where you try to find some options in there that work for you both. 
Also, in terms of those discussions, the more you practice, actually the better it will be. It is one of that old adage that practice makes perfect. And practice, you know, very actively things like your actual ask. So it might be to say, you know, actually, thank you for your offer. The market range from my research for this type of role is between eighty-five dollars and $95,000. So I'd be keen to hear uh, an offer from you that sits more within that range. So you're practicing um, how you're going to say it. So to enable you to say that in a very confident, credible way. Remember, again, as part of those conversations, soft on the person so that you're friendly, you're warm, you're open. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you're a pushover. You're firm in terms of those key priorities and variables that you want to discuss. It's worth thinking in advance about how you might handle your emotions. And I'll talk in there a little bit more in a minute about how you might do that. And it's also worth thinking about, you know, well, where are you going to negotiate? Is it by phone, by email? When, why, what's the purpose and who are you going to go negotiate with? One of the common questions that occurs as part of these negotiation discussions, or even if you're applying for a new role, potentially as part of the interview process, is what are you currently paid? Now, I would never recommend anyone asks this as part of an interview because, in fact, it's just perpetuating the gender pay gap. But it absolutely does still um, get asked. So if you are asked that question, there's a few tactics that you can employ. One is delaying that. So answering with something like, before discussing the salary, I'd like to better understand the roles and responsibilities of, uh, of this position. A second approach could be, or if they keep insisting, instead you flip it around and ask a question. So based on my qualification skills and experience, where would you see me fitting within the salary range? So that you're not required to give your previous salary, you're looking for them to provide you some direction about the range. Or if they really insist and you really feel like they're needing to get an answer to that question, rather than again answering from your own personal salary, Instead, go to the market value. So I'm looking for a salary in line with the market range of between ninety-two dollars and $98,000. You're not making it too personal in terms of what you've been paid in the past. You're making it much more about the role in the organisation, again, based on the research that you've done. So hopefully that helps you ask one of those thorny questions that you may well get asked as part of the conversation. Also, in terms of the discussions, it's really worth being um, prepared and knowing your numbers. I'll talk about how this quite often works. Often you will receive, say, for example, from a salary perspective, you'll receive an offer. Let's say um, your organisation made you an initial offer. I'll pull the number out of the air. Let's say $69,000. Now, you might receive that and go, that's ah, a little bit lower than what I wanted. You know, my minimum was really $70,000. And your initial thought might be, well, look, that's okay, but but maybe I'll go back and ask for, say, $73,000. So, you know, above my minimum, it's a little bit more than what that offered, and, and that would be great. You know, I've managed to get myself, you know, a few extra thousand dollars. Now, the challenge with that is they may well have been potentially open to going much higher than that. They may have been willing to go up to seventy-five, eighty, dollars or 80, even $85,000. And you won't know unless you ask. And so if you had gone back straight away and gone, look, well, okay, you know, could you, um, uh, uh, if you can offer me $73,000, then yes, I'll accept. You may have left $10,000 or more on the table. So instead, start from actually thinking, well, what would your ideal be? 
let's say for the role for in this example, your ideal is $80,000. I wouldn't recommend your first ask, in fact, be $80,000 because negotiations usually work in sort of a give and take and you end up somewhere often enough, somewhere in the middle. So if you ask for $80,000 first off, then they're probably going to wear you down and you may end up at, say, 75. Instead, if your ideal is 80, then ask for about 10% above that. So say $88,000. That then means that you've, you've kind of anchored in their mind that that's quite high and they may take quite a pause or do an intake of breath if that is significantly more, in fact, than, uh, than what they originally offered. But chances are, if they want you, they will come back to the negotiating table and then you will find somewhere within that space a zone of agreement. So a, a Um, an area that you're both kind of comfortable with. But if you start high, chances are where you end up will be much higher than if you start low. The other thing it's worth preparing for is some of those difficult scenarios. So um, thinking about, as part of that preparation, think about what elements are your own priorities to negotiate? Which of those are most important to you? And really focusing your conversations on them. And remembering it might also be helpful to think about what's low cost to the organisation, but high value to you. So for example, it could be Maybe you have, you have say, a young family and actually you would really like maybe five weeks of annual leave to help cover school holidays. That's probably not all that tricky for an organisation to potentially give unless they've got really firm policies around it. But that might be really high value to you but low cost to them. What then happens if the personal people that you're speaking with, if they're just not willing to negotiate at all? Hopefully that won't happen, but sometimes it does. And so some questions, you know, again, I would suggest you approach it from a question front. Is might be things like what elements of the package or role are negotiable? So that, again, you're opening up options rather than closing things down or getting stuck and entrenched in certain positions. Another great question could be, well, what would need to change about the role for it to be paid at this level? Again, a great question. It gets them thinking and inventing options that maybe might work for both of you. Also, it can be really helpful if you're finding yourself getting stuck or they're not willing to negotiate. Take a pause. Don't feel that you need to kind of close that conversation right there. Taking a wee bit of time away can help you both reflect, maybe come up with some different thoughts and ideas. If you counter-offer and they then say no to that and they stick with their original, it may be that you're able to help them to perhaps justify that. Are you able to share some of the market research that you've done? Are you able to speak to some of the different decision makers? What would help to make um, your offer more acceptable for them? So again, you're trying to create options. Understand for that person what resources they might have and what areas they may be able to negotiate on. So you're opening up the conversation. And I mentioned before about managing your emotions. Negotiations are are quite often about certain numbers or figures or variables, but they're not kind of always rational, logical conversations. Very often our emotions get in the way. Sometimes that can be useful, but actually usually within the negotiation phase, it can be helpful to try and keep your emotions reasonably in check. Some of the ways in which you can do that, you know, if you know you're about to have a difficult conversation about a negotiation, take just a few big, nice, deep breaths right down into your belly beforehand. That's just going to help to calm your nerves and make your voice that much stronger. 
If you feel yourself as part of the conversations or the discussions getting more emotional, then take a pause. Say, thanks very much for the offer. I'll come back to you tomorrow or I'll come back to you in a couple of days. That's always absolutely fine to do. Be aware too of their emotions. So if you are you know, speaking on the phone or you're able to see their um, face, whether it's video or even face-to-face, maybe look out for signs where they're feeling pressured and, and stressed and then you'll know which things may be easier to negotiate. If you feel that they are getting too entrenched or frustrated, again, you may suggest a pause for their sake as well as yours. Have a think what might be your emotional triggers, and we all have them. And so if you think ahead about what yours might be, that allows you then to prepare for them and hopefully, again, be able to take a pause or take a couple of deep breaths if any of those come up. Think about your facial expression as part of this. And again, remember that kind of soft on the person, that if you can try and keep your face open, relaxed, friendly, warm, that will just help your emotions to stay and how you feel to stay in the same way. The other thing to think about alongside managing your emotions is thinking about where and when you will actually negotiate. So it could be that you might choose to try and have those negotiations in person with the decision maker. Now, the benefits of that are it's certainly going to help you to allow you to have more of a connection with that person. You can see their emotions. It may help to build that kind of more personal relationship where they want to do something for you. And it allows you probably to get quite a quick response. Now, the downside to that is you may be kind of giving away a lot through your tone, your body language, and it doesn't give much room for you to be able to step away and have that pause and reflect. And you might perhaps respond too quickly and then come to regret that a bit later. If you might be negotiating, for example, by phone. Now that, again, it's kind of fairly instant. You're able to have some connection, maybe not as much as if you're either face-to-face, in-person, or via video call. By phone allows you to use some notes, which can be really helpful. You might have, for example, know your first ask and all the key priorities and, and some of the options, variables you might want to bring in. You can have those all to hand. There's also no giveaways in terms of perhaps, you know, if you're somebody who tends to blush or kind of goes red when they get a bit um, flustered, that you can't see that, of course, over the phone. However, if you're on the phone, the downside's that, you know, you lose some of the cues from their side as well in terms of how they're feeling. There's perhaps less relationship and you might end up being a little bit less creative because you're, you're losing some of that, those mutual options. Other people actually really like to negotiate by email and some of the benefits of that, it gives you loads of time to think, to pause, to reflect, to come up with some alternatives. It means that everything is written down so there's less opportunity for miscommunications and it allows you to be able to share some data, again, quite a rational, logical way. Now, the downsides of email, you know, of course, you've lost any other cues and we all know that sometimes with emails, we misunderstand perhaps the emotion or the the intent behind what somebody's trying to say. You might lose that opportunity to kind of ask questions in a live way as you go. And often it can kind of drag out a bit. There's a delay, you know, you end up perhaps waiting desperately for their email to come back in. All of those options, whether it's in-person or a video call, whether it's a phone call, whether it's email, they've all got some advantages, but they've also got some challenges. So it's worth thinking about in terms of those discussions, how, where, and when you'll do that. 
Again, just a reminder, I would recommend that you practice the conversations that you might have, particularly if you know those are quite difficult asks for you to make. Say them out loud. Things sound great in our head and they look great written down on paper, but it can be much more difficult saying them out loud. If you're able to, you know, find a friend to be able to practice those with. It makes it even better to practice in person with someone. If you haven't got a willing friend, you know, use your phone, record yourself and see how your voice sounds. Practice it until it sounds very confident and credible in terms of the asks. It's also worth thinking in terms of as you go through those discussions, almost trying to step up and above and take a bit more of that helicopter purposeful view. Think about your mindset. Actually, what's the bigger picture? Why are you asking here? You know, for example, maybe you've just recently bought a house and you're looking to try and pay off that mortgage. So actually that, the asking for the additional salary would make a huge difference to you. That can help give you the drive and impetus to ask or to to ensure there's a counteroffer. It can really help to try and um, stay optimistic as part of the process so that you are always hopeful that actually things will work out really well. I'd really encourage you to believe in your value, that you have loads to offer, and that will help you feel confident and credible. And also try to remember that the ball is not always in the organization's court. Actually remember that they may not have all that many alternatives and look for ways for you to actually be in control and feel in control of the process. Once you've got to the end of the discussions, which hopefully will have gone well, make sure that you summarise that outcome in writing. Again, so that in terms of closing that off, that there's no risk of a misunderstanding or miscommunications. So to close off today, I just wanted to summarise a few key points. First of all, negotiation is a really important life skill, and it's particularly important to negotiate for yourself and your value. Ultimately, I'd always encourage you to ask because if you don't ask, then you don't get. And if you ask and ultimately the answer is, um, you know, in these circumstances, you know, it's not possible, well, actually, you're still in exactly the same place as where you started. I'd encourage you to be objective. You know, do your own market research. Really know exactly what that market data is and base your negotiations and data. It gives them much more credibility. It makes you feel more confident too. Look for options, see if you can expand the variables and know your alternative options as well. That gives you strength and it it just gives you more room for, for negotiation and conversations. I've talked a lot about preparation and preparation is absolutely crucial. Being able to, in particular, articulate the strengths, the skills, the experience, the relationships, the value that you bring as part of the conversation just gives you that strength and makes it more likely that you'll be successful in terms of getting what it is that you want. Really know your numbers. Um, so know your first ask, know your target value, know your minimum so that you are um, very, very clear in terms of the value to you and the potential options that they might have as well. Try as much as possible to separate and just a reminder then, soft on the person, hard on the problem. Think about your mindset and emotions and how you might manage those. When you keep that purpose in mind, know why it is important that you're asking. Try to keep calm, optimistic and also flexible throughout. And then at the end, make sure you summarise in writing so that all parties are clear on what it is that you've agreed. Overall, negotiation is a fantastic skill to develop. The more you practice, the better you'll get. And it also can make a massive difference in terms of your career over your lifetime. 
Hopefully some of these tips have been useful and I wish you all the best of luck in your own negotiations. Yeah.